What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Contractor Secrets Podcast. We are starting a new series called the Startup Series, where I focus on the startup aspect of your business. So in today's episode, we talk about five things. I think I did a little more than five that you need to get started. Those of you who are way ahead of the startup phase of your business, you know, I've learned that by coaching so many people, it's actually wise for uh, some of you to kind of pump the brakes, turn around and look at some areas that you kind of skipped over when you first got started and and kind of just look at them um, and maybe work on them a little bit more to make your business, your growing business even stronger. So uh, don't think that the startup series isn't for you. We just cover a lot of fundamental principles about starting out um, and really growing that foundation, which is so important. So uh, super excited to get this started. And of course, this episode is brought to you by Drip Jobs, the automation CRM of the future for contractors, guys. I'm the founder of Drip Jobs. If I've given you any value in any episode, in any video, uh, imagine the value that I'm going to bring to you with this software. I would love for you to try it out. There's a 14-day free trial at dripjobs.com. And what's awesome is we're so young and so new that I will probably personally onboard you and your team uh, to use this software. So I'm really excited about that. So enjoy the episode, guys. Startup series starts right now. The big question you need to ask yourself every day is, do I own a job or do I own a business? And unfortunately, the majority of contractors out there own a job. That's right. They're a slave to their own business. But the other side of the fence is so much greener. It's so much better. And that's when you're finally fully in control of your destiny, your freedom, your time. And that's what Contractor Secrets is about. It's about taking back our time, building a business with systems, standards, values, procedures, putting yourself in the driver's seat. And that's what it's about. So I'm excited. I'm happy to have you here. Let's dive into the Contractor Secrets podcast. All right, what's up, guys? So I know there's a lot of us out there right now that are in sort of the startup phase of uh, your business, and I want to kind of touch on that. I know sometimes in these podcast episodes, I'm really hitting some advanced topics, and uh, you know, I'm really grateful that you know you guys try to keep up and and implement some of these things. But I want to go back real quick, and I want to talk to those that are just starting out their business, and I want to I want to cover five things that uh, really are pretty important to getting started, some things that I wish I had known uh, when I had first got started and it probably would have saved me a lot of headache, heartache, time, confusion, uh, worry, <laughs> and everything else that we go through when we start a business. Because listen, starting a business is for the strongest of the strong. It is one of the hardest things you can do. Uh, it not only takes a toll on yourself, but it's a risk for your family uh, those who you reach out to me and say, Hey, Tanner, I want to quit my job and start my business, you know, but I have a family who, you know, is counting on me and, you know, what do I do? And like, you know, I just admire the the strength. I'd say that you're stronger than me because when I started my business, I was a single guy, you know, just out of college. Um, you know, so for me having a family now, you know, thinking about, the security aspect of a you know nine to five job that provides benefits for my family and jumping into an unknown business, I mean you know crazy and you guys do it and I'm inspired. So I just wanted to hit on a couple of things that I think you might uh, really like um, you know to kind of help you get started. So uh, we'll talk number one. Um, the big topic that I hear a lot is employees uh, and subcontractors and which one you should uh, pursue. And I know that you're going to find a course out there that says, 
you can get subcontractors to do the work while you sit at your nine to five and sell paint jobs on the weekends and you find a subcontractor that'll do the work for 50% of whatever you sell the job for and everything will be great and you'll just sit there and collect money and eventually you find another subcontractor and you just do the same thing and it's great. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm able to laugh at that because I, uh, I dealt with something similar when I first started my business is I kind of fell for that trap. I thought it was that simple and it, and it, and it wasn't. And, you know, I actually followed the instructions, you know, I, I went and sold a job and I also found a quote unquote, uh, subcontractor who was just a, just a guy, um, who was an independent contractor. And we pretty much came up with an agreement and it was like, Hey man, um, I'll sell this job and I'll pay you this much per day. Um, you know, which was way more than I would pay anyone now, uh, simply because, you know, I was just new and I didn't know anything and he had, he had leverage. So, uh, I paid him that much per day and, uh, you know, we completed our first job and I'm like, wow, this is cool, man. You know, it worked, you know, the system worked. And then, uh, as we got to the second job, um, you know, he didn't show up one day and, and I was like, uh, Hey man, where are you? He's like, Hey man, yeah, I had to take care of something, uh, on another job, man. You know, I'll, I'll get with you tomorrow. And, uh, I'm like, well, that's not cool, man. He's like, Hey, listen, man, you know, I, I know we have an agreement and all, but I, I run my own business on the side. So, you know, you got to just kind of work with my schedule. And I'm like, um, all right, well, I'll just tell my customer. And my customer wasn't too happy about that. And I remember thinking, man, you know, something's not right about this. You know, I don't like not having control over the schedules of the people that I pay because, you know, my customers aren't getting the best experience they can have. And, uh, you know, so I continued to work with that person. And then uh, next thing you know, he's kind of offering his services on the side. And I'm thinking, man, this isn't right. You know, so he had a helper with him. And uh, I actually liked the person that he had, he had brought with him as a helper. And um, I could tell that he really wasn't happy with working with the person that was kind of quote unquote in charge. So I said, hey, man, listen, I'm kind of transitioning my company to more, you know, structure. I kind of wanted to, you know, start having employees and I'm looking for somebody, you know, to lead a crew. And, uh, you know, this guy was just a helper, but I was planning on taking on the majority of the painting responsibilities. OK, and this is the advice I give a lot of people is that if you start a business in the trades, you know, my suggestion is, hey, you need to get your hands dirty. You know, there's a lot of guys that come at me from a sales background or a marketing background. And like, like, dude, like this isn't code, right? This isn't like for me with software. I don't know how to code. It's not like I can just jump in there and just start coding things, you know. Um, but with the trades, there's nothing stopping you from being on the job and learning the trade. You know, that's something that you could easily do. It's hands on, I'm not saying you're going to be an expert at it, but you can definitely, you know, be hands on and, and actually learn the process. So my suggestion uh, is to get in the field with your team. And, uh, you know, when I made that transition, like the game changed for me. It was awesome. Like I actually like learned everything. I remember, you know, we had an exterior a house to paint and uh you know we had just gotten a brand new paint sprayer and i didn't know how to prime the paint sprayer to get it to start spraying so i'm in the front yard while you know the guy had brought on with me uh it's kind of like prepping the outside of the house and uh you know i didn't even know how to do this and i'm watching uh i believe it was the idaho painter you know teach me how to you know set up a paint sprayer i'm so grateful uh, for that. And, and just, you know, being, being willing to like learn and not be afraid to make mistakes is one of, 
you know, my keys to success. So, uh, employees versus subs, you know, when I think about it, yeah, like we can talk about the legal stuff. Like really, if you run a painting business and the person or people that you have working for you works for you, like 90% of the time, like, come on, they're, they're employees and you're just categorizing them as subcontractors. It gets sticky. My suggestion is go the employer out, you know, build relationships with people, build the foundation. Um, you know, really when you go the subcontractor route, you're ultimately selling jobs for two businesses. And really that doesn't leave much room for profit, right? Because ultimately a true subcontractor relationship, you know, which in this case doesn't exist, but in the context of what major painting companies do is, you know, they have pretty much an internal employee sales force, an internal employee management force, right? They have project managers, they have salespeople, and they have a network of subcontractors that bid on projects, right? So they essentially shotgun, you know, scopes out to 20 or some subcontractors and they get their bid on what they want to do it or if they want the job and then they get the job. That's it. They build relationships over a long period of time. The system works great for them. Okay. But when you're just starting your business, you don't number one, have the network or the luxury and you don't have the sales force or management force. It's just you. And the best thing you could do really is just you know, hire a couple people and work alongside them and build team chemistry and build uh, that team within. So my suggestion, 1000% is to start uh, your business with employees. Um, and, and here's the big thing I get. Well, Tanner, how am I going to keep my guys busy? I don't really know what to do. Uh, well, we're going to talk about that a little bit here, but really it comes down to understanding um, you don't really need a ton of jobs to keep two guys busy. And I think if you just get one job a week, um, you know, that's more than enough to keep two guys busy and worst case scenario, you don't pay yourself. That's an investment that you make in your future growth. At the end of the day, every time I hired somebody, I always got a little more hungry, a little more passionate about, you know, um, selling jobs. And I conveyed that to my customers because I knew that, you know, people and their families were counting on me. So that was pretty easy. All right. So number two, uh, bank account and separating your money. So this is really important as well. This is something I did early on because I worked at a bank. So I understood this. But if I didn't work at a bank, I probably wouldn't have done it so quickly. Um, really separating your money. So, you know, the big thing that you're going to have to understand in uh, in business when you, when you make that transition is you're no longer an employee. And if you're coming from being an employee and not really having someone in your family who owns a business and just kind of learning, you have to change the way you think and you, um, I would say the way that you operate with money. And I would say there's this concept that I've kind of, you know, been saying for the last couple of years is the employee mentality. And the employee mentality is when I get a paycheck, I spend and then I save what's left. And spending could be on necessities. It could be on luxuries. It could be on entertainment, whatever you did when you were an employee. That's what you were taught to do. You know, you spend, 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 save what's left. Some people spend a little too much, you know, and that's it. And then you go back to your job and you get more and then you do it again. And um, and then maybe you invest later, you know, when you, you smarten up a little bit. But that investment is just really to make sure you have money at the end of your life. So it's normally in the form of like a retirement fund. OK, and that is what we're trained to do. Um, and money can be very emotional for people like, you know, how they spend it. And it's like a habit. Um, and we all know sometimes habits are hard to break. So another, uh, concept that I have is the investment 
the investor mentality and that investor mentality is first thing you need to understand when you start a business is you are an investor. You are an investor in your brand. Like for me, I am an investor in premium painting. I'm a 100% shareholder of the well-being of this company, right? And it sounds so big, but it's not, you know, it's not like I'm talking Apple, but really the concepts are the same. This is a business entity. If this business fails, then my, you know, my assets in the business fail along with it. Like, you know, follow me here. So even if your business has no customers, you know, has nothing, um, you still want to treat it like it's, you know, an, an entity, right? So the investor mentality is understanding that when you bring in money to your business, you've got to allocate that money appropriately. Um, and what I'd like to think of the way that an investor works is that when they generate um, sales or income, they invest the money first. So instead of what the employee does is spend first, the, the, the investor mentality invests it first. And that would mean that they invest it back into the business, whether that means better equipment or better marketing. And we'll talk a little bit about this um, as, as we move forward in today's podcast, but they invest the money first, right? They take the money and they invest it first. And if you don't learn that concept, you can't grow because when the, when the investor does that, he's compounding growth. He's not breaking even on growth, right? So if you just did a job and you took the money and you spent it on food and dining and, you know, a vacation with your family, um, there's really nothing, not much left over for growth, right? You can sustain, but you can't really grow with that. So the investor mentality is taking that money and allocating it appropriately. So why did I talk about this when, when I mentioned what number two was, which was separating your money. Uh, well, it makes it really easy for you to understand what's business money and what's personal money. Um, you know, and also when it comes down to accounting, you have to understand that the way that you're taxed is completely different. So, um, as a business, you have to understand that you're taxed as a business. So you pay taxes after you spend. Okay. As an employee, you pay taxes before you spend right? So when you were an employee, you got a paycheck that had taxes taken out of it before you got it, okay? As a business, you get the money and then you pay the taxes after you spend it. So you have to allocate um, your money appropriately and, and that's what an accountant is for, okay? So I'm actually going to, I had notes on this one today, um, but I'm going to slide this in here and say that number three super important is outsourcing. Okay. We want to outsource things we don't understand. That'll hyper grow your company. Okay. Because really ultimately, if you're listening to this and you're also an accountant and you're also a payroll specialist, you know, I mean, you, you're amazing. I, you know, I'm giving you some claps here, but ultimately we don't know this stuff, right? You know, this isn't something that we're specialists in. So these are really important things. So we have to outsource them to make sure that they're not a hurdle for us and our employees. So when I first started my business, it took me not even a month to hire one of the most expensive accounting firms in town, um, simply because I understand how valuable it is to make sure that my numbers are right and how much money I'm going to save by hiring a company that knows what they're doing. Because if I try to do my books, I'm going to miss out on things that I don't know about right? And the cost of hiring someone, number one is a deduction, okay? 
And number two, again, is going to be minimal in comparison to what I'm going to save because of their expertise. And I think that's, again, of investor mentality, right? And that's something that I really want to hammer here is that you really got to have that. And, and by separating your bank account, you're making it easy for an accountant to see all the business expenses that you've incurred and the investments that you made for your business. Oh, you bought a sprayer? Great. We're going to allocate that uh, in the, you know, I think it's in the, in the uh, materials or equipment bucket, and that's going to come off your bottom line. So in other words, what that means is if you sold $1,000 for the year and you bought a new paint sprayer for $500, you're not going to pay taxes on that $1,000. You're going to pay taxes on $500. And the reason of that is because you've allocated it appropriately, your accountant did that for you, and you have a business bank account that shows the accountant, hey, you spent that out of your business. Now, if you're doing this out of your personal bank account, if you're like, you know what, I'm just going to buy the sprayer out of my personal checking um, and you don't have a way to show that to your account or you don't make the deduction, then you're going to just pay taxes on the entire 1000 you know. And that's kind of what I wanted to get at with that is that separate the money and then outsource the help. That's another investment, right? Um, same thing goes with payroll. It didn't take me long to get a payroll company um, to help me pay my payroll. I would hate every week to have to sit and figure out taxes and payroll. I can imagine, I can't imagine what it was like back in the day where people actually had to do that and actually have like one of those calculators on their desk. Um, mine's as easy as just putting in how many hours my guys work and then boom, they get direct deposit. It's actually a dream. It makes running a business so easy. So, um, there's a link somewhere, uh, for gusto and gusto does it for me. So um, below this podcast, I think there's a link I put. So, you know, that's number three is uh, making sure that you're outsourcing things you don't understand or you're not an expert expert in. And I think that's going to that's going to help you grow a lot quicker and take the pressure off. And another point that I like to make about that is that like accounting, like they just changed the tax laws like a couple years ago, you know, and can you imagine if you were doing your own taxes, how stressful that would be for you to figure out that stuff like this is what these people do. Um, let them be experts in their area and you be experts in yours. So outsource things you don't understand. That's number three. Uh, number four. Okay. I can't emphasize this enough. Your online presence. You know, you got to have a Google list. You got to have a website. You got to have an Instagram. You got to have a Facebook. You got to have your name online. A lot of these things are free. So for you to actually have some online presence, hundred percent, you know, and you know, you could get creative with getting your name out there because the big question is, Tanner, how do I get my name out there? How do I get people to, you know, to to be interested in my services? You got to be where they're looking. You know, essentially, if uh, I'm, you know, if I'm on the highway, right, and I'm hungry, you know, I, it would be wise for a restaurant to put a billboard out there that says, are you hungry? With a big M on it for McDonald's, you know, which I'm not a fan of, but you guys get it. Okay. It's the same thing. Ultimately, when people need a paint job or they want a flooring job or they want a roof roofing job, are you where they are when they're hungry? <laughs> you know, and that's the thing is that nowadays when people are hungry, they go online and uh, we need to be there. So getting your online presence, again, when we talk about investing and outsourcing, hire someone to do this stuff for you. Hire someone to make you a website. Hire someone to make you a logo. 
hire somebody to to do all this stuff so you can get to selling. I mean, these this, these investments are so small. I mean, in comparison to, I mean, honestly, like everything I mentioned, hiring an accountant, setting up a payroll company, getting someone to make you a website, um, getting somebody to set up like your Google page. Like, I mean, all of these things could be purchased with one job that you sell. I mean, that's, and, and it's interesting that a lot of, a lot of people won't make that investment, but it's just, you know, I, I mean, understanding growth and having the investment mentality, that's easy money to spend. And I, again, when we go back to that investment mentality, parting ways with money is something that I see a lot of new business owners really fail to do part ways with it. It's going to help you grow. You know, you have to understand if I, if you don't have a website and you buy a website and someone goes to that website and that would otherwise not go to that website if you didn't have one and buys a, buys your service, that website paid for itself. And every time someone does that for the rest of the website's eternity, it's just giving you an ROI, right? Like that's the, that's how I see things like, okay, well, how, you know, how, first of all, how quickly I'm going to earn it back and how much is it going to make me after I earn it back? Great investment, right? Um, so that's something to think about. Okay. Um, next getting your first customers. All right. So I get this a lot, you know, where's the first customer come from? You got to first exhaust your organic network, people that trust you and like you. Okay. And I think that, um, that's so underestimated right now is, uh, you know, finding individuals that know you, like you and trust you family and friends, most things, uh, in the home service industry, you know, you can, uh, you can shotgun out to local family and friends and say, Hey, I'm starting a new business. You know, does anybody need help with anything? And usually, uh, if you have some good friends, they'll say, you know, maybe not, but they will refer you, you know, or they'll try to get your name out. You know, believe it or not, a lot of people are supportive of someone starting their business. Um, I think Facebook groups are great. I think, uh, going to your local paint store, your local supply store, and just letting them know the situation, networking with other pros. I think if you're just starting out, I think you should get into BNI. I think it's phenomenal to network. It's all about networking. It's all about getting your name out there. Um, so getting your first customer, don't overthink it. I think it should just, you should just understand that it's a matter of, uh, you know, either, either creating the need by explaining, Hey, I do this service. Would you like this service or paying, um, to be in front of someone who has the need that's buying ads, buying leads, you know, whatever you have to do, if the budget's there for me, you know, first day of business, I signed up for home advisor. I didn't waste any time. I had the capital to do it. And, um, you know, from day one, I was getting leads. So that was pretty cool. All right. So what do you do with your first dollar? And I think we discussed that. That's number six. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not counting here, but just trying to, as I'm talking, I'm like, man, I want to tell them this and this, uh, what to do with your first, with your first dollar, um, your first dollar, you know, if you have $1, you should, you should look at it like, okay, um, let me first invest to get another dollar right? That's the mentality. So how did you acquire the first dollar? Did you knock on a door and exchange information and then it turned into a job? Okay. Well, let's say you made a dollar. Well, how did you get another dollar? Well, you have to get your name out there again, but the goal is to do it with less effort than you did the first time, because if you're producing the work, you're probably pretty tired. So do you want to knock on a hundred doors again to get that dollar? You know, and I'm just using pretty I'd say pretty basic, you know, pretty basic example here. But where I'm getting at is, is like the idea should be, how can I 
how can I maximize my dollar and minimize my effort? So you can focus your effort on things that are more productive. Like for me to go knock on every person in my neighborhoods, you know, if I, if I knocked on all their doors right now, I guarantee you I could get a job 1000%. Okay. But do you know how much effort that would be and how much that would take away from my day to day operations when I could just use my dollar and get a job using a paid channel or a paid avenue. And that's the mentality that you have to have. It's almost the same mentality of, could I go out once a week and cut my grass? I pay someone a hundred bucks a month to do it four times a week. Okay. And I have to think, how long would it take me to do it? First of all, I'd have to go out there and I'd have to mow, right? And then I'd have to trim and then I have to edge by myself, okay? And then I'd have to leaf blow, right? I mean, if I were to do this yard by myself with the tools that I have, push mower, I don't even know where my weed eater is, okay? I don't even know where these things are, all right? If I had to figure that out, I'm in I'm in the game for 3 hours, 100%. To get it to the standard these guys do it. I mean, these guys come in like a I don't know, like a cavalry, man. There's four of them and they just cook through freaking six yards within, you know, the radius of my house. And uh, they get it done 30 minutes tops. You know, one guy's on the freaking, the mower. We'll get into this later about the system. You guys know I love the system. You know, it's phenomenal. Anyway, for 20 bucks a week, what could I be producing in that hour that's more valuable than the $20 that I'm saving to pay these guys to do my lawn, right? Great investment. So in other words, you know, if it takes me eight hours knocking on doors, okay, to get one job worth three grand, right? What else could I be doing in that eight hours that's more valuable than that money that I'm saving by not buying ads or leads to generate me that three grand that could be generating me even more and building even even greater reputation. And I just want you to see things from my perspective, because what it really comes down to is how willing you are to understand how to part ways with your dollar, right? So a lot of people make a dollar and most just immediately save it. And they kind of just sit and pray for the next one to come. And that's great and all, but Usually that only works out for people that are working by themselves. When it comes to someone that's wanting to grow, I think you should heavily invest back into labor, right? Because the same concept exists. If you're working alone and you think to yourself, well, I don't want to pay anyone because really if I pay someone, you know, then I'm going to lose some of my dollar. So I'll just do it myself and keep most of my dollar, right? Well, yeah, I guess you, you could say that you're you're maximizing your dollar in that small space, but because I pay people in the same amount of time that it takes you to make $1, I'm making $2 and I'm not even working. And I can focus on other endeavors, right? Investor mentality. So with your dollar, you should think, okay, honestly, 40% of my dollar should go to paying people. So, you know, I'm going to get rid of the dollar. Let's say it's a thousand bucks let's say 400 bucks goes to labor. Let's say that pays for two people. Okay. That leaves you with $600 left. Okay. 
chances are you spend about 20% on materials. So that's another, that's 200 bucks going to materials. So that leaves you with $400. Okay. You know, if you have a good marketing outreach, you should probably spend about 5% of your sales on marketing. But let's just say you go heavy and you spend $100 out of your thousand on marketing. So that leaves you with $300. Okay. At this point, you're at a 30% margin, right? I think it'd be wise to spend an extra $100 on branding or something that, you know, yard signs, uh, t-shirts, um, you know, things that really just create more of a brand, your website, like allocate some money to that stuff to kind of just continue to perpetuate your organic reach. And then again, that first 100 was more for paid reach. So you spent a hundred on your paid reach, a hundred on your organic reach. Your organic reach is going to grow over time. And I had a, someone tell me a really good analogy the other day. He said that organic reach is like growing a garden, right? You know, and nurturing a garden. It takes a while, but eventually you're going to be able to grab your own fruit. Paid reach is like going to the grocery store. You know, you can pretty much just pay a little more and get what you need. Um, so I think it's beneficial to spend a little bit in both areas and that'll leave you with $200 to do if you want, you know, but again, having the mindset to say, okay, I'm going to invest all that first. And I hope this kind of wraps everything together for you. I'm going to invest all that first and then I'm going to take what's left. Okay. Because what you did there is you made sure that your team was good. You made sure that your marketing was good. You made sure that your materials were good. Okay. And then you saved what was left for yourself and there you go. So you might think, man, like, oh, I'm only getting 200 bucks out of my 1000. Well, guess what? Now you've secured yourself another job because you spent money on marketing. You secured yourself future business because you, sp you spent money on branding. You secured having help to do jobs so you can remove yourself from the physical labor and you secured making sure that you can purchase more materials you know, because you paid off the ones that you bought or however you did it, you know, initially. So what you're doing is you're constantly creating this compound of what I like to call a recycler. And I think I did a podcast episode on this, but essentially you're recycling the money through and you're saving some along the way. And soon as you grow, you're going to kind of like double, uh, double the, the process and maybe even do this with two crews, three crews, four crews. And that's how you exponentially grow. So that's what I got for you. I hope you kind of took away some of these fundamental principles of starting your business. And uh, I really think that if you take them and you truly think about them and learn them, uh, it'll be great for you to get started on a more of a hyper growth type uh, type mindset. So hope you got something out of this, guys. Always a pleasure serving you. Um, and you know, the last thing I want to say is that uh, I definitely recommend you have a CRM keep track of all your customers and you know i'm going to recommend my favorite crm drip jobs you guys rock catch you later drip jobs crm is finally here that's right so drip jobs is an automation platform for contractors home service professionals that's going to automatically follow up with your customers it's going to allow you to send invoices estimates it's going to allow you to send out blast marketing emails to individuals based on where they are in the buying process this software is next level and i'm reaching out to you you're a listener of this podcast and i want you to be one of the first ones to give it a shot so if you want to see what drip jobs can do for your business i'd love for you to head over to dripjobs.com 
sign up for a free demo and get your team involved and let us sit with you and show you how powerful this software is. It's going to save you time. It's going to make you money and you're going to love the features that are built into drip jobs. So if you want to check it out, head over to dripjobs.com and we will give you first priority being a podcast listener uh, to be one of the very first to try out drip jobs in your home service business. I'm super excited to share that with you and I'll catch you on the next episode.